And that's why it's called ticking. Yes. Not because of any other reason that you think, kids. It's literally ticks with a pencil on a piece of paper, which is kind of like an iPad, but you can't swipe pages. You can still erase. Welcome to the morning block. It's the first block of the day. I'm Jake. And I'm Chris. And I founded Virtual Arts with the help of my good buddy Chris and a whole lot of other awesome people. So this is a weekly show where we answer the big questions about the pageantry and marching arts. And if this is the first episode you're listening to, you'll want to go back and listen to episode one to hear more about why we started this and what our plans are with it. Uh, But if this is the second episode you've listened to, congratulations, you're right on track. All right. What are we talking about today, Chris? <laughs> so what we're talking about today is kind of, it's a, it's a heavy subject, but it's going to be, will DCI survive the coronavirus? Yes. A question um, we all have for sure. And before you click away and find a more interesting podcast with this, we, we promise this is not a history lesson. This is going to be more analysis. It's going to be a little more interesting. We're not going to walk you through tax law and all that kind of stuff. It should be slightly more interesting than just a, uh, a lecture, hopefully. Okay, I know I literally just said this was not going to be a history lesson, but we do need to give you a little bit of background before we jump into it. So to understand how DCI operates now, Chris is going to give you some info on how DCI operated back then. Here we go, guys. Let's jump right into DCI. What is DCI? How was it created? So DCI, for a lot of you, um, know that it's old, but... You know, it's drum corps are actually older than DCI is. So Drum Corps International, as we know it, started in 1971 when a couple of Northeastern corps started saying, or the Midwest drum corps started saying, we should create our own thing. And then the California groups were creating their own thing and the New England groups were creating their own thing. And then they decided, you know what? We should have a whole thing. Because what was happening a lot in this 50s and 60s is um, the American Legion and the VFW, so like back, think military, where drum corps originated from. Those organizations were running shows, right? When drum corps came back from World War II, um, they needed something to do. People were at a loss for what to do. Sure. So they started, you know, creating youth drum corps. And they would do parades in their local cities. They would sometimes tour to other cities to do parades. And then they were like, all right, we're doing parades. Maybe we should do more things. Maybe we should start doing field shows. And then they started doing field shows in the 60s. And then they were like, well, we're doing field shows. Maybe they should be judged. And so they started judging them. Well, then groups started saying, maybe there needs to be a bigger organization than just the American Legion or the VFW. So they created Drum Corps International. Um, I believe it was in the fall of 1971. From there, they kind of morphed into 1972. Summer of 72 was the first Drum Corps International World Championship show. Okay, pause for a second. You know what what just occurred to me? Would people okay? There's what? that there's that Facebook group that's like I don't support DCI, and there's this general yeah you know unrest with some groups about the way that DCI is not making a statement on there either way whether that's right or wrong. Just that's it happens on the internet right now. They a lot of them yeah. are quoting drum corps dying those years. So I am just now realizing that the year that DCI was founded was the year they said drum corps died. What? So, so, so yeah, yeah, legitimately. Because, I mean, it was, I I never really 
I talked to a few people. So Phantom Regiment, um, some of you might know, is one of the older drum corps. So you have really old drum corps. You're talking to cadets that were around in the 1920s. Uh, Boston Crusaders were in the 20s. Uh, Cavaliers, 1920s. Uh, so Phantom Regiment was 1956 is when they were founded. So I talked to a few of those people who were in drum corps before there were field shows. They were like, yeah, we did parades. And they showed us videos of their parades and it was wild what they would do. It's not just walking forward and an eight to five. They had choreography and things like that that they would do. They would hate that I called it choreography. But yeah, no, drum corps used to be about that. And then drum corps used to be about the tick system of judging, where if they saw a mistake, there were, they, they, they had a tick box, and that was a tenth of a... And that's why it's called ticking. Yes. Not because of any other reason that you think, kids. It's literally ticks with a pencil on a piece of paper, which is kind of like an iPad, but you can't swipe pages. You can still erase. <laughs> There's no battery either. It's, it has There's no a, battery. That, that is an advantage. Forever, forever battery yes. life. You can look it up. It also doesn't do well in the rain. It does not. But, well, I mean, neither does an iPad, though, in fairness. Well, maybe. Maybe the new ones exactly. are. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that was a thing. And so when uh, I know a lot of people are like, well, drum corps back then, it was so easy. The reason why it was so easy was because there was, okay, there was zero room for mistake. Right now, a lot of drum, I mean, a lot of judges go like, eh, that was a little gray. But they give credit to, but it was hard, you know. So that wasn't the case back then. It was either the line is straight or it's not. Either your feet are at the same angle or it's not. So all this to say, drum corps has come a long way. What was once a city pastime full of pride has turned into this cutting edge arts activity that is highly physically demanding. So yeah, yes, Jake, uh, 1972, first year, the drum corps international had, you know, its world championships and the Anaheim Kingsmen were the very first drum corps to win DCI, be DCI World Champions back in that day. And then one of the crazy things you see is back in the 60s and 70s, um, I always ask like kids that are auditioning, I ask this question, how many drum corps do you think there were at the, at the peak of uh, you know this country? And a lot of people will say like, oh, like 70, 80. I've, I've heard answers as high as 150. No, there were over a thousand there were so many drum corps in this country. It was just, it was the thing to do. Every local community had a drum corps. Every small town in America had a drum corps. Wrap your mind around that, a thousand drum corps. If you're a huge drum corps fan, try to find someone who marched before 1971. Odds are they likely marched a drum corps you've never heard of. Obviously a lot has changed since then, but the core of the activity has remained the same. And it was gritty, like you didn't have you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to spend on equipment, on uniforms. You know, you wore the same uniforms for 10 years and you used the same equipment for 20. And people, there are pictures. If you go ask any, if you're ever marching again, ask your old vets. They love to show you photos and tell you stories. It's some of the craziest stuff you've heard. Drum Corps was never a um, pampered or a, you know, an activity of luxury. No. It was always... I felt that way, like, and I marched 10 years ago. Yeah. No, and I mean, and I, we marched in good places. Like, we didn't march. No one ever says, like, oh, Phantom Regiment, they don't treat you well. Or, oh, Blue Coats, you know, like, it, you know, anything like that. And not saying other drum corps don't, but, I mean, back in the 90s, back in the 80s, it was tough to get through a summer. Like, there was just not money. The kids had to do a lot to get through it. And when we say gritty, we mean gritty. There's stories of Crossman, for example, driving around North Philly in a school bus with the back door open, picking up kids off the street, which I guess was okay back then, 
<laughs> to be in the core. They'd then head to an old airport and rehearse on the concrete all weekend. Nothing was going to stop them from having a core. And so I know some people are really worried that drum corps won't survive this coronavirus. But my answer to that is you got to look at the history of drum corps as an activity. It is a history of grit. It's a history of incredible adversity and overcoming that adversity against all odds. So does that grit apply to the coalition of all drum corps? Because when we're talking about DCI, does DCI survive? Yes. You know, that could be defined as does drum corps survive? Do the drum corps, plural, survive? Or does the organization called Drum Corps International survive? Because those are different questions too. That That is true. So here's the thing. I think drum corps as an idea will survive. Now as an organization... That's a trickier one. And I think that's going to be what we talk about in our second segment. Because yeah, we have DCI some actual numbers here um, that I have pulled. Is a business. Yes, they are a business. Yeah, and, and, and they have to make money. But to your point, Jake, if, if they don't end up making it, if they have to, if they have to file, I don't, I don't think uh, nonprofits file for Title IX, but whatever bankruptcy they, t- they file it's, for. They can still file for bankruptcy, I, yeah. Yeah, there will be another organization that comes up. Drum Corps, I don't believe, is going away. As, a, as an idea. No, too many fans. But yeah, let's... Too, let's the, the economy yeah. of teachers and designers and people who make props and uniforms and everything else is too vast. There's too many band programs around the country that are still not well-funded enough, but well-funded enough that they'll survive, which will perpetuate talent. I mean, there's it's just too big of an ecosystem for it to go away conceptually in the United States specifically. Well, Jake, how about this? After this break... We're going to talk about what DCI is as a business. Okay. You know? Sounds good. This show is made possible by Dorico. They're the next generation music notation software from Steinberg. If you're like me and you're often frustrated with Sibelius or Finale, this is a huge upgrade. The whole design is to make music writing easy and fast. Their interface is full of all these smart automation tools. If you want to learn more about the features, we'll link some details in the show notes. My personal two favorite things about Dorico is that it's super easy to use and learn, and it integrates with the Virtual Drumline Sound Library. They've got a version called Dorico SE that you can download right now for free and use for free. And there's also paid versions that have more features. And you can even try the paid versions for free for 30 days too. If you're a Finale or Sibelius Ultimate user, you can actually switch to Dorico and get 50%, 5-0 off the usual cross-grade price. And if not, you can still get that 50% discount between November 23rd and December 7th, 2020 with the coupon code CYBERDEALS. That's C-Y-B-E-R-D-E-A-L-S, CYBERDEALS, at checkout to save 50%. If you're thinking about making the switch, don't miss your chance to get Dorico at half price. Visit new.steinberg.net slash promotion for details. Now, back to the show. And... And we're back. So, Jake, we were talking about, like, what is DCI as a business? You know, a lot of people know DCI as the organization, but they're not necessarily sure, like... I don't know how many people know about their taxes or what kind of information they're bringing. What What is a nonprofit? You and I both have a lot of experience with nonprofits. <laughs> Having run one together. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. So if you don't know too, Chris and I uh, were the admi- administrators uh, at Equinox Percussion, which is a, uh, a small indoor group um, in based out of Atlanta. And we've done that for a while. Um, we are no longer the, the, the chief people in charge, but still uh, participate on the board. But um, I 
for my day job, for my non-band job, uh, I'm a professional fundraiser. Um, so I know a little bit about nonprofits and how they get their money and where it all goes and all of that. Um, so what I have pulled up here yeah. uh, is DCI's tax statements uh, from 2018. This is not anything groundbreaking. These are public record. You can pull these and look these up on at your leisure. Uh, but want people to kind of understand the kind of money they're bringing in and bringing out. First point, first point. Uh, DCI is a business, um, and just because you're a nonprofit does not mean you're not a business and does not mean you're not trying to make a profit. Uh, nonprofit, all that means is the extra money left over at the end of the tax year uh, goes back into the organization, not into any stakeholders. There's no stockholders or shareholders or anything like that. Um, but you, you mean I can't, I can't buy DCI <laughs> at five dollars a share buy, on the stock market? You cannot. Market, you, you wouldn't want to right now, or or maybe now is the time Oof. to buy. Maybe now is. I think it's hot. I think now would be the time to yeah. buy. <laughs> we have it on good authority that uh, just from our, our our friends who work in and around the activity. That I, I I don't know how many staff they had at one point. Maybe forty. I could actually look that up on this form. Um, but now they're down to like a handful. I think five of of non furloughed mm-hmm. people right now. As a lot of businesses are. Obviously, it's. Tough times when you can't get out and do stuff. This is no joke. Imagine an organization cutting their staff by 80% and still managing to function. That's what the DCI office is doing right now. They're working to keep the daily operations going for marketing and sales and a ridiculous amount of planning to try to make 2021 happen. They deserve so much kudos for that, so please give them some love. Uh, The goal of DCI certainly is not to not make money. (laughs) They are a business, and like every other nonprofit, the United Way, American Cancer Society, these are all businesses, and they're all trying to make money. Like They want to turn at least a small profit. They might spend all that profit back on the organization, and that's fine, uh, but they do not want to be like, oh... We're just, you know, we're a charity. It's like, yes, that's what a charity is. A charity is still a business, still trying to make money. So um, I have the tax data from 2018. 2019 is not released yet um, because of the extension of the tax year. I think some of them are are being delayed, but this will give you a pretty good idea. Um, so, okay, pause. All right. Pause. Um, if you want to play along... We're going to give them a yeah, chance. Yeah, we're going to give them a chance. If you want to play along here at home, yeah. um, I have here the amount of money that DCI brought in gross... Um, at the beginning, or well, throughout the the entirety of 2018, I don't have the 2019 or 20 numbers yet. Um, but if you want to guess, uh, pause the episode now. I'll give you just a second. Or actually, Caleb, put in a little uh, a little little song here or something that they can sit and, and think about how much money. All right. All right, Jake, I got my number. Okay, we're back. <laughs> and Chris definitely didn't uh, cheat. He definitely did not. I got my number. Came by this number, number, honestly. Okay, in 2018, DCI brought in $12,413,205. If you were close to that or exactly on it, you win the prize. Chris, how close were you? I was about seven million off, to be honest. I I put them, I put them uh, higher a little bit, to be honest. I put them at, yeah, I put them right at 19. 12 million is actually not a lot of money, considering how massive an operation DCI is. Besides their staff, they also rely on countless volunteers that sign up every year, and they run a fairly lean operation. There's actually at least one drum corps that brought in more money that year than DCI did. Maybe that's a discussion for another episode. Well, before you come down with your torches and pitchforks about how much of a cash grab DCI is, you want to also guess how much they spent in 2018. Chris, do you want to guess? <laughs> Ooh. Well, if they, if, they, if they brought in $12 million, Spent being including, are, are we including the staff pay? We're including we staff pay. Yeah, this is any money that went out of their oh, bank account. Oh, yeah. That year. Okay. So they were, they were 12 4, right? Yep. Uh, they probably spent, my guess would be um, 
12-1 or 12-2? It is $12,429,268. They spent slightly more than they brought in, um, which is yeah. fine. It's not like they're they're like hugely in debt, but they, they basically broke even uh, is what we can gain from that. They intentionally set it up. They have very mm-hmm. smart people running uh, their, their finances who set it up to spend all of the money uh, that they brought in that year. Uh, they have some like investment income and some assets and stuff, but for the most part, that's what it is. Um, in terms of where they spent that money, um, they spent, let's see here, on shows alone, they spent six and a half million. On judges Ooh. and staff, they uh, spent three quarters of a million. Uh, on what they call donor expenses, uh, they spent three quarters of a million. Uh, broadcast and production, they spent 433000 And then they categorized all other expenses, quote unquote, um, at right at a million. So... You can go back and, and look at exactly the specific things. I'm not going to sit here and read all of their investments, um, but that's that's kind of uh, <laughs> where all the money goes. Uh, in terms of how they brought the money in, I can actually tell you that too, based on this same tax data. Uh, we're assuming they're not cheating on their mm. taxes. In terms of the revenue, uh, they brought in just over half a million in contributions and grants. That means donations, basically. Um, and program service revenue, which is like shows, they brought in $11.6 million, so almost all of it. Uh, they made $52. That's, that's, that's why those tickets. Yeah, that's why the tickets are out there. Those tickets are high. Because <laughs> they, they, yeah, they need to pay people. Uh, they brought in a whopping $52 yeah. in investment income, uh, which was great. Uh, and then they also have uh, 168000 in other revenue, which might be merch. I don't know. Um, it, it, they don't I'm have to disclose. Sure but be. yeah, that's where they get their money, and that's how they get their money. Um, and again, they're they're spending <laughs> every dime back on the cores and the the student experience. I'm assuming renting out Lucas Oil is not cheap. I've never tried, uh, but I imagine that is where some of that money goes to as well. Yeah, it's it's got to be a pretty penny. They also uh, correct me if I'm wrong. They also rent out rehearsal facilities uh, for finals because I know they do. Drum cores have trouble getting, you know, I mean, they have how many, they got like 35 to 40 because they've got open class cores as well as world-class cores, uh, near them. So they have to, you know, that's, that's a lot of places and anyone, I'm sure it's very few that are listening, but who have been in the admin side of either drum corps or WGI know the thing, the bane of these groups existence is housing. It's so hard to find facilities that are willing. I mean, to be fair, if you're if you're running a high school or a middle school and you hear a knock at your door, hypo, you know, and someone's like, "Hey, do you mind if 200 people you don't know that are per, pretty much under the age of 30 crash at your place for three days? Oh, we're also going to make a lot of noise. We also need your showers. We need your gym. Like, it's a long list of demands. And oh, also, we don't have a lot of money, so we can't pay you a lot. Right. It's just, <laughs> and your band director has a, to come at sell. three in the morning to the school. And let us in and stay with you for 48 straight hours on their only two days yeah, off. I, and they're already an underpaid staff person and they don't they don't want to be doing that anyways. Another interesting tidbit is that DCI will actually provide a drum corps with their housing within 24 hours of a competition, which is crazy. This is extremely generous of DCI and takes a lot of stress off of an individual core. Uh, this is actually one reason also that cores sign up for so many shows because it's less housing they need to worry about and pay for and it's an opportunity to make money at the show itself too, uh, both for competing and for souvenir sales. It's just, it's a hard sell. I, we've we've had to do it, like Jake said, we both uh, were part of the Equinox administrative team and we had to get housing for all of our shows and around Georgia and it's it's always a hassle and it was always the thing that aged us the quickest. Um, but it, so so... 
DCI has to help drum corps out for the final week to get them housing. And so that's definitely where some of the money is going to. Yes. Um, but yeah, and that's, and that's a good point that you brought up, Jake, because I know a lot of people do consider uh, drum corps, the organization, and some drum corps as a cash grab. But you know, when you, you're able to look up these tax records, if you know where to look, and you can see that most of, I mean, as he said, more money. They spent more money on the experience for the fans and members and staff than they took in, like straight up. And and these people, there, like you said, there are people whose job and their livelihood is to work for Drum Corps International. It is their job. It's how they make a living, and those people deserve to be paid. They they do a lot of work to make sure that we can do what we love. There's a lot that goes in behind making this work because I mean. It's it's a it's a big undertaking to to put together a show schedule and make You're sure responsible for that a lot of people, all the members, like tens of thousands of people, yeah. like between the fans and the members yeah. and the logistics. Like people may gripe about you know the top executive's six figure salary, but compared to other nonprofits of the same size in terms of like a ten million dollar a year nonprofit, um, their salaries are small. Like those people who are really really good at what they do. Uh, are taking less money <laughs> to work at the top of DCI than they could at working at any other charity or any other business for that. You know, don't even get me started on a for-profit business on any other nonprofit or yeah, for-profit oh uh, anywhere in the country. So, um, you know, for their their salaries will be high and and too high for some, and some people will look at it and say that's not enough. You couldn't you couldn't get me to do that for that amount of money. And who's who's to say? <laughs> not not me. I'm not getting in that nope. game. I can tell you that. <laughs> Too much, too much stress. Yes. Like I, I, I don't think I could. I would, do, I would work at DCI if it really was just May to August. But we know it's not. They're definitely working the rest of the year too. They, they, do, they pretty much do a whole year's worth of work between those months. Absolutely. You know, and it's, so it's, it's a lot. But you know, Jake, this gets me an idea that we should definitely, in a later episode discuss how can DCI better profit to help out drum corps. You know what I mean? Like we're going to probably do some things of like creating perfect worlds where we use your knowledge of fundraising and figure out how can DCI make more money without raising ticket prices to $300 a seat, you know? Sure. And how can drum corps also raise more money to help costs with students? Yeah, you know? the, the fundraising market for DCI is certainly un, untapped to a large extent in terms of, like, major donors. Like, they, they do pretty well. Like I said, I think they had, like, half a million in, in grants and contributions and gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be counting, like, pledges on that. I'm not really sure. Um, but... For the size organization they are, they certainly could be raising a little bit more, probably. Um, the issue is it's, it's expensive. You have to usually hire someone to do that full-time. I don't know if they have a full-time person. But they did have a campaign this summer uh, called the March On campaign, which, uh, full disclosure, uh, I did donate to. Um, and the reason I donated to the March On campaign is we had Brant Crocker uh, do the virtual arts or uh, the virtual drum and bugle corps announcement over the summer. And we asked him what his price was because we were we were willing to pay it. We thought, yeah, it'd be super cool to have it. And he mm-hmm. said, yeah, don't don't pay me, just uh, donate to DCI, uh, donate to what they're what they're doing, and um, that's <laughs> that's all we need to do. So I said, okay. So I, I donated a hundred dollars uh, personally to the March On campaign. I don't know if that was too much or not enough for Brant, but he agreed to to do our vo- voiceover for us, and I thought that was that was very fair. Um, so yeah, I, if you can support, that's great. If you can support your your drum corps, that's great. Um, but 
they will need more than just, uh, <laughs> hopefully, uh, uh, which was a very successful telethon, they will need more than that to kind of, uh, to boost them into the next year. So I know that there are people a lot smarter than me <laughs> doing a whole lot to make sure they land <laughs> correctly uh, mm-hmm. for next summer. Um, and I, I don't know what next summer is going to look like. It might be a short tour. It might be no tour. It might be a full tour. We still are, uh, it's pretty pretty early to make that decision, obviously. Uh, this is at the time of this being recorded, which is fall of 2020. So future us, <laughs> come back and correct us. But um, hopefully yeah, also- I'll be, I'll be excited to see. It's it's troubling times now, but we will get through this. You know, it's it's only a matter of time. And so it'll be exciting to see what drum corps looks like in the future. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, actually, for for this episode, we wanted to talk to someone who's kind of in the thick of this. Uh, we have uh, Joe Roach, uh, who's the core director at MCDC, um, who we got in touch with. Um, we're going to talk to him a little bit about how drum corps are adapting <laughs> without DCI, uh, looking into this next year and making sure that they, as an organization, survive and um, can continue to provide the things for their members and staff that they do. So after the break, uh, Joe Roach. So the first thing I asked Joe is what Music City Drum Corps has been up to and what they had planned for the fall. Here's what he said. Uh, here at Music City, uh, lots lots potentially on the calendar, but obviously in a COVID world, um, the word tentative is, is definitely next to everything on the calendar. But we're, we're starting to plan some, some fall events already. Um, sure to engage the drum corps student, you know, not necessarily in an audition format yet, but just, just trying to get that student re-engaged. So we've actually been able to host a couple of small in-person events here in Nashville. Um, we've only done two, but we're, we're certainly learning how to do in-person events all over again, which, is, which has been exciting and, and nerve wracking all at the same time. What I didn't expect is that Joe didn't talk much about money or finances, though he mentioned those things are critical. Music City is focused more on the student experience and what they can provide to the members, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so cool how you guys are student-focused in terms of your kind of initiatives and thoughts, and not like, how are we going to make sure that we can survive, but like, what can we deliver in the meantime, which is such a cool way to look at it. And I just, obviously, there's, I'm sure that, that sentiment is echoed throughout the activity. I think it's really cool that you guys are, are kind of leading that charge and making sure that's that's part of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's really driven you back to what's your mission. You know, I mean, obviously, staying solvent financially, you have to do that so that you can deliver on your mission. But, you know, the, the, the COVID era here has really made us all look in the mirror and say, you know, if not this, then what? Because we still have this mission and these students to, to fulfill their dreams and, and give them the opportunity. So it's, it's, been a, it's been a gut check for sure. When I asked about summer 2021, Joe mentioned there might be a short tour. So I asked him what that might look like. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I think it's, it's, it's all going to be kind of reverse engineered with DCI championships as we know it being the culminating event, you know, and then depending on, you know, COVID and facilities and travel and, and restrictions and all that, I think we'll build the tour backwards from there. But I think it's, it's you know, it's basically, especially in 2021, just going to be a, a truncated version of what we, we typically know, you know, instead of 100 plus shows, uh, there definitely won't be 100 plus shows. <laughs> I was about to say, what, what tour are you on? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, even for us, Music City, two summers ago, we did 23 performances. And, and I think that would be quite a stretch here, um, you know, with what we know today. 
uh, to plan that many events would, would be quite an undertaking. So um, I think we, we're all pretty realistic that in 2021, you know, I think uh, DCI mentioned calling it kind of a bridge tour. It's, if we can get back to action in 2021 to get us to 2022 where we're all healthy and we figured out how to tour again in this new era, uh, 2022 is, is, you know, back to blockbuster shows all around the country, I think is, is the realistic goal, um, you know, for us. I wondered with the short tour, Will shows be shorter? Will props be a thing? Will shows have to be easier? Joe said we pretty much have to wait until January to know for sure. It depends what night of the week you talk to who. I, I think, you know, in 2021, I, I don't envision a ton of show regulations. You must do this. You have to do that. I think it's, it's going to be the opportunity to make sure we can all do it the right way, um, you know, with health and safety and uh, operations being the forefront. Uh, I if it's a shorter season, I would anticipate some shorter shows, but I would not anticipate any less than what we've become accustomed to as fans and creators and designers. You know, we've, we've had our design teams bobble up now for over a year. They're, they're going to be ready to All go. All the ideas are just there. They're yeah. like, we've got to try stuff. <laughs> yeah, whether it's eight minutes or 12 minutes or 15 minutes, I think, that, you know, the goal is to blow the roof off the place. And after a full summer off, if we're able to tour next summer, you know, the fans deserve it. The membership obviously deserves a great, great experience back on the field. But uh, I, I anticipate there'll be some guidelines around, you know, how we tour, how we interact at shows. You know, I, I don't envision the parking lot will be a free for all with food trucks everywhere. And, you know, I, I, I assume there'll be quite a bit more stay in your lane kind of. Uh, live events, but uh, but that's okay. If that's what it takes to get us on the road, then, then let's do it. <laughs> After chatting for a few minutes about missing being on the road and seeing our friends every day, I finally asked what we'd all been dying to know. Will DCI survive the coronavirus? I didn't know what to expect, but Joe's answer was pretty definite. Find out next week. At, I'm just kidding. Here's what he said. Absolutely. I, I believe so. I believe Drum Corps as an activity will survive. I believe DCI as the, the events company that we've, we've grown to, to lean on will, will survive. Um, what 2021 looks like, I, I, will, I will not pretend to know what that is, but I think some activity to, to get us to 2022 is going to be the huge thing. Um, you know, I don't believe our fans and our students are going anywhere. Uh, but it is going to be a challenge to, to keep those kids engaged. If we have another full year of not touring, uh, you know, they're going to take internships instead of come March Drum Corps. And uh, we can't have that. <laughs> so, uh, but, but I have the, the full faith in our, in our fan base and our activity. And, uh, you know, we got to wear masks and wash our hands and, and do, what, do what's appropriate here. So what do you think? Did we get it all wrong? Will DCI survive? You can let us know by emailing us at the, T-H-E, morningblock at gmail.com or tagging us uh, using the hashtag themorningblock uh, on Virtual Arts Inc. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those. Uh, so let us know. Let us know what we got right, what we got wrong, and uh, maybe what you want to hear next to. Let's head back into the studio with Chris. Well, that was awesome, what Joe Roach said. Yes, absolutely. And before we wrap things up, as always, Chris has the bop of the week. It's the song this week. That's a total bop. Chris, what's the bop of the week? So here's what we're going to do. We're going back to a classic. I've seen him twice live, and he's been fantastic. It's Hobo Johnson, Ugh. and the song is Mover Aware um, from his new album. And it is just, oh, it's, a, it's quite the bop. Let's just say that. Okay. 
I've not heard that song, so I'll, I'll report back. Please do. All right, Jake. Well, will you see us out? Sure. This has been The Morning Block. This show is a production of Virtual Arts, Inc. and was produced by Chelsea Levine and hosted by Jake Lyons and Chris Parker. Edited and mixed by Caleb Lee. Our audio engineer is Rosa Westfall. Special thanks to today's guest, Joe Roach. Logo designed by Brian Harmson and original theme music was written and produced by Jordan Turan and Josh Russell. See you all next week.